5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. You're, you're tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com. And welcome to God Stories Radio. This is session 39. I'm Mike. I'm Fritz. And I'm Trish. Did you hear that? <laughs> Trish is back. Trish is back. Trish I would is say. Back. Uh-huh. I missed you guys so much. Oh, we missed you too. And I got to admit, you look really funny peering over that uh, thing with no glasses with no on. No glasses. I know. You're just kind of squinting. Can you even see me? Barely. How many fingers are you holding up? <laughs> I'm not holding up any. <laughs> so, Fritz, how was your week? Oh, man. I was. I've been tried and tested, and just we got a cat that's going bananas over here. I don't know if you can hear it, but that's what happens when you have cats in the studio. Oh my goodness, <laughs> cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm that old. Uh, yeah, crazy week. I had to make some pretty uh, in-depth, life-changing decisions. You know, sometimes when you feel like when you make those decisions, there's do the best you can can and, and trust God that you are making the right choice. Right. And I, I trust that I've made right choices. And Did you pray about it first? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would say it, it's, a, it's a week of sadness, but a week of victory all in the same. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. If you say so. I do. All righty. I do say so, but I'm glad to be back to GSR and have all three oh, of us here. And really? Me I've been too. looking forward to our guest tonight for, for weeks. Weeks? It's been probably more than weeks yeah we've been planning her for a while uh-huh. i know and i'm really excited about maybe teaming up with them and seeing what kind of damage we can do and get some testimonies and pray and it's just going to be crazy yeah so trish you uh, know our guests so uh why don't you uh do the honors of introducing sure daughter goes to the first united methodist church in claremont to the um the child development center there and i also go to the moms of preschoolers group there i've come across uh, pastor don often on the campus there she does um, there's a group called celebrate recovery she can tell you a little bit more about that in fact we all originally had met at a celebrate recovery but it was at real life right right, called um and now they call it real freedom but (laughs) It used to be Celebrate Recovery. Dawn can tell you guys more about that. With that, I'll give you Dawn Fryman, Pastor Dawn Fryman. I think she's our first pastor, too. Wow. Yeah. No, we have Christian Grasso. Oh, that's right. Okay, second pastor, first female pastor. Mm-hmm. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me here. And I'm laughing at it being number 39 because I have one and a half more weeks of being 39. Yay. And I turned oh, 40 the big four up. on May 18th. And I can't believe I just admitted that because I haven't told anyone that. <laughs> you just told the whole world. No, everybody yeah. knows. But 39, I'm like, well, there must be a reason you I'm here tonight. You just told some guy in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> my last week of my 30s. So Aw. That's great. Well, I appreciate you all having me here tonight. This is a huge blessing to be here. 
Thanks for agreeing to come. Like I said before we came on air, not not everybody agrees to come and give their testimony. Some people are afraid of that type of transparency mm -hmm. and being that open. So I appreciate you coming, especially because you are a pastor, mm -hmm. you know, but yet you've agreed to be that transparent with us, and I appreciate that. Oh, I, well, that's actually what I've really felt led to um, to do, especially through my recovery as a pastor, that you know, just because I'm a pastor doesn't make me perfect. In fact, I'm a witness of what God is doing in my life, and we have to be honest about our struggles and our pain, our issues, or what Jesus did on the cross means absolutely nothing. So I just feel like it is my calling to just be a witness of what He is doing to help me, free me, and heal me, and pick me up when I fall, and that's doesn't make me any different than anyone else. It just makes me a witness of what God is doing in my life. So. I've learned to be very transparent, and that's what I try to be. She, she, um, just to give a little bit of background, uh, I didn't know what angle she was going to come and talk about with her testimony because she's been through a, a broken marriage and come out on the other side of that. Um, I know that she had weight issues. I had weight issues. I just lost 89 pounds, so I can relate to that. There were just so many things that I've heard about you you know through the church from you sharing your heart and being that transparent pastor that i just thought it'd be good for you to come in and share with the listeners god has just really freed me from a lot and it's just amazing when i sit sit here today going back to where i was and i uh i just i learned i lived most of my life just pretending that everything was okay and that I was a happy person and that there was nothing wrong. But as soon as I started to admit my struggles, then God has just done amazing things in my life. And I never realized I was missing out on what he had for me because I was so numb to what he was doing and wanted to do in my life. So I think that's why it's just been vital for me to share my testimony. So I'll go ahead and tell you a little bit about myself. Um, originally, I'm from Dayton, Ohio, and I'm the oldest of two girls. And I actually grew up in a very Christian home. And we thought, you know, everything was, if you would ask me, I had a very good childhood. I had two very great parents who took us to church and were very active in our lives. But what um, I realize now is my family taught me that we were just happy people. And so people looked at us from the outside and going, there, there's the, the June Cleaver, Leave it to Beaver family. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. We just learned, and I learned, to be very happy. What I really didn't realize is my, my parents were actually hiding a lot of their own pain and escaping from what some of their issues and some of their past insecurities and, and abuse situations. Um, my dad was a huge provider for us. He, um, he was a loving man in the way he knew how to love, but he wasn't home around. He wasn't around a lot. We just made excuses for him. He, you know, he worked two jobs, and then on the weekends, he was very active in marathon running. And to us, that was normal, that he decided he wanted to run 26.2 miles every single weekend. That was his escape, escape if sure. you will. Now he'll call it his... Um, priority. It was just something he had to do. Um, I, I see now, too, he was just very um, obsessed with his weight, and he was very obsessed with exercise. So that was the priority. And we just learned, you know, on Sunday after church, that's when we got to see Dad. We had a lot of fun. And during the week, it was my mom, the single mom, 
who we never knew she had if she had an issue with with dad not being around because she just learned or taught us to be very busy she just got us so involved in in all activities i think i counted in high school i had 17 weekly activities that i was part of and that's what i learned to do i learned how to just be very busy you're exhausting I me. I was very <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> if you were to see my mom and dad, they were just happy people. Like I said, they, they never, ever complained about my dad not being around or my dad missing soccer games or dance recitals. We just all pretended everything was great. And I never saw them cry. And I remember, actually, I was um, 16, and I went to a, a Christian retreat. Um, it's called the Walk to Emmaus. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's very big in the United Methodist Church. And I had actually gone off and spent this weekend where I think this is the first time that I really felt Jesus in my life as a, on a personal level. I was so moved that weekend that on that very last night, my parents came to the closing and I went up to share about my experience and I just started crying. And it shocked my mom. She said, we have never, we, they have never seen me cry until that very moment and um, honestly I felt a lot of shame in that because my family just we don't cry we just always tell us what's happy tell us what's good we wanted they we God played. will bring you to your knees oh, <laughs> it was funny because we played this game called highlights you know what was the highlight of the vacation and I always I remember as a kid saying well I want to know what the low light was I want to tell you my low light oh we don't talk about low light <laughs> so all of this to say you know I think these were some of these coping strategies that I thought were normal, that I needed to be happy, even if I wasn't. Um, I was a perfectionist. I wanted to please my parents, no matter at what cost, because I wanted their approval. Um, if my dad, for my dad, if I wanted him to pay attention, I knew I the weight, exercise, running, those were things that I just learned to do for him to, to approve of me. Um, you know, weight was just a big issue in my own percep perception of, of how I looked. Um, so all these things, you know, I just learned um, to do, and none of it at all seemed like it was a bad thing. You know, it seemed very normal um, until I, you know, I went to college. You know, I had, again, I had a very great life and then moved down um, to Disney World. That's where I ended up working for 10 years, and that's what brought me to Florida because oh, Disney wow. came and recruited at my school in Ohio. I came down perfect place for me. I can be happy all the time. Again, everything was happy. The year 2000, it kind of hit, I kind of hit a bump. A bump. I got married and I had all these ideals of what marriage should be. And I had a fantasy of, you know, what I wanted. Of course, all I had was my mom and dad to look at and they were just always pretending everything was good and happy. I didn't know anything different. Um, so um, as soon as I got married, um, reality hit. My husband actually paid absolutely no attention to me once we were married. Didn't want to have sexual relations. He um, had a great excuse for it every time, but I immediately thought it was my fault. You know, I immediately took responsibility because that was what I learned to do as a kid. Um, I was the peacemaker in my family. I also learned um, growing up that I didn't mention, I just, I never learned how to use my voice. I was just very quiet all the time, because I, I always wanted my mom and dad, they did, you know, they talked a lot and they were, they did all the talking for the family and I just, I never learned how to express my needs. I was afraid to ask for things. Um, so I just, I learned how to just really be quiet. 
So when I experienced this um, avoidance from my husband, I was just, I was numb and shocked, you know, that marriage was not what I thought it should be. And I immediately tried to fix myself. Well, obviously, this is my problem. Obviously, I'm not good enough for my husband. What I did is the things that my, you know, well, I learned from my dad. Well, obviously, if I want a man to pay attention, I must be too fat, you know. So I started to just be obsessed with working out and not eating. And I lost a lot of weight. And um, when he still didn't pay attention to me, I thought, well, there's obviously something else wrong. So all of this was happening. And, you know, the more I tried to go to different doctors, the more I tried to try to figure out what was wrong with me, you know, I kept hitting all these brick walls and still making no sense of, of any of it. The more and more I pushed, and the, the my doctor even told me once, Dawn, there is nothing wrong with you. Um, I was led to believe that I had an issue. That's what my husband wanted me to believe. So um, we ended up just picking up some of my other coping strategies, and I just decided, well, I'll just avoid the problem. And I got really busy at Disney, and I just worked 70, 80 hours a week, <laughs> um, pretending that everything was fine. And I think that was really my, my detriment, as I told nobody. I thought I was all alone in, in this, which was very psychologically and emotionally abusive. Um, I felt very rejected, but I didn't know how to fix it. And I didn't talk to anyone because I felt a lot of shame. I felt mm -hmm. a lot of guilt. I'm this Christian woman. Um, obviously, I'm not doing something right. So I just pretended everything was okay. And uh, the more, you know, the busier I got, um, the more frustrated I got, the more depressed I got. Um, I would come home and then still, you know, I still, you know, I would read the scriptures. I would see what God said about marriage and what we should be doing. And we weren't doing anything. We weren't showing each other love. And the more I confronted him, he started getting verbally abusive. And he would start screaming at me. And then there would be no reason to continue. All of that to be said, I was very active in my church at the time. I lived in a little town, actually in St. Cloud, uh, mm. near Kissimmee. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a Methodist church, and I was working at Disney. And through all that, God actually called me, which is so, it's a whole nother testimony in itself. Um, I, I felt this nudge to um, quit my job at Disney. And I can't even explain it, but I was just, I saw an ad for a, a part-time children's director. And it was in our church newsletter, and I felt that nudge. Have you ever felt that nudge where it doesn't make sense at all what you're thinking? <laughs> And I thought, I'm supposed to interview for this position, and I had no idea why. So the following week, I noticed the newsletter came out, and the, the ad was gone, and I freaked out. And I ran to the church, and I said, okay, pastor, are you already hiring somebody? What happened to that job? And she said, no, we're just tired of looking. And I said, I'm supposed to apply. So long story short, I, I tried to do both jobs. I was, And this, of course, helped me also avoid my problem at home. I did full-time Disney, part-time children's director, but I just couldn't stop thinking about the call that I had at the church. And I had this huge nudge um, to, uh, to be at the church every time I was at Disney. So um, God actually finally just continued to get my attention and to the point where I had physical pain in my side. And I started praying about it and I knew that I needed to quit Disney. I can't explain it, I just knew that I needed to quit because um, I kept trying to let go, you know, s slowly. I kept trying to get rid of hours and I worked, you know, ended up working one day a, a week at Disney and it still was not this, this nagging pain. 
So God got my attention, and as soon as I turned in my Disney ID, pain went away, and I felt peace that passes all understanding. I um, was part-time children's director at that church, and when I was out there, um, I heard God say to me, this isn't it, there's more. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had this relationship with God. I knew um, he had my attention. I knew that I was, I was in the palm of his hands, that he had something he wanted me to do. So we were, you know, I was very close to him in that way. And um, the day I gave him my, my ID to Disney, I knew I am submissive to whatever God wants me to do. Um, so right at that point, um, I heard him say there's more, and I ended up entering seminary uh, in As- Asbury Theological Seminary mm-hmm. here in Orlando. So all of that to say, through all of this, you know, I was really focused on this calling that God had on my life. But at the same time, I was avoiding the problem at home. My husband and I were in separate rooms in public, both very active in our church. Everyone thought we were this happy married couple. Mm. And behind closed doors, I was miserable. I was alone. I felt isolated. You're a good Christian woman, so you don't get divorced. Absolutely. And now I'm working at my church, so now it (laughs) makes it even worse. Um, I thought there's no way I could tell people my secret Mm. because obviously I have done something wrong and I I had no idea what I had done wrong. And the pivotal moment for me this at this part was I was at seminary and I had to write a paper on integrity Mm. and I was blocked. I couldn't write this paper. And I remember again, talking to my pastor about it and praying about it and saying, I'm the most honest person. I would never lie to anyone. Why can't I write a paper on integrity? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm lying to everyone about my marriage and it's not good. And something's not right with it. I've done everything I can possibly think of. I'm getting nowhere. And in my gut, something wasn't right. You know, I had all these signs, you know, and I was able to start piecing it together. I started seeing a Christian counselor as well, and she was trying to help me see a pattern of, of things that just didn't make sense, you know, that maybe this isn't my fault, you know, maybe something else is going on. Um, so what I did is I went to my professor, and I told him that I was, I was blocked, that I couldn't do this. I told him about my marriage, and he's the first person I opened up to. Mm. And he said to me something I will never forget which shocked me because I thought he was going to be all about, you know, God will save your marriage, do everything you can. And, but he said something. He said, Jesus says that he is the truth. And if you abide in him, the truth will set you free. Amen. And he said, trust your gut, go to Jesus and he will show you what to do. So I started journaling. I started praying. I was so lost. And again, still keeping myself isolated from everyone. And um, I just prayed to Jesus that he would show me what to do, show me how to fix the problem. I was still praying for that. And at that very same time, our church decided to start a Celebrate Recovery ministry. Mm. And I, through my coping skills as a child, realized, oh, that's something I can do to help other people. Right. (laughs) And I would love to lead this ministry. And of course, my pastor didn't think I had any issues because I was this happy, good Christian girl. So she asked me if I would be interested to lead this ministry. Well, to become a Celebrate Recovery leader, you have to go through the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 12 steps they are very similar to um, what you would find in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, the only difference and the main difference is Jesus Christ is the higher power 
And it's not just for addictions. It's a 12-step where every step is intended to bring you closer to Jesus Christ by removing any hurt, any habit, any hang-up, which pretty much any of us as humans have. As if you're human, you have a hurt, habit, or hang-up that prevents us sometimes from feeling that freedom that Christ wants us to have. Um, And the founder of Celebrate Recovery is actually John Baker from Saddleback Church out in California. And he, um, it's Rick Warren's church, The Purpose Driven Life. Okay, you heard that. (laughs) Yeah, it is Rick's church. Um, John Baker is actually the one that went to Rick 20 years ago and said, I'm looking for a Christ-centered 12-step, and there isn't one. And I'm feeling it that God's laying it on our heart that we need to do this. And Rick Warren said, well, congratulations, Pastor John Baker, it's all yours. And 20 years later, he is still Pastor John Baker. And it um, Celebrate Recovery is actually in 17,000 churches worldwide right now. Yeah. It, it's it's a tried, true, tested, proven. It, wor- you know, it works. Um, it's an awesome program. So to go through this program, I had to go through the 12 steps myself. This is another pivotal moment for me. We were in this group where you are with women only, and the men are meet with men, and it's confidential, and it's anonymous, and there's small group guidelines you have to follow in order to keep the group safe. And I started hearing people share about their marriages, and it was shocking to me they were describing my marriage. They were using words like abusive. God was speaking to me through that, and I thought, wait a minute, something's not right. It was the first time in my life that I actually started to share the deep, dark secrets of what was really happening in my home, in my life, um, to me physically, verbally, sexually, psychologically. And I started hearing myself say things and coming out of my mouth that were painful. And it was the first time that I actually felt the pain and experienced the trauma. And I realized I'm being abused. And this is not my fault. I'm not alone. And you're at your church going through this. I'm at my church. And I'm hearing other people affirm because they're going through it too. It was my first time, again, because I learned to keep everything secret. But what I've learned now is by sharing our secrets, that's where Jesus is in the light. Amen. And we can't keep him in the dark, you know. So we have to bring these things out to the light Mm -hmm. to be free from That's where the healing is. Absolutely. And in the freedom. That is where it was for me at that very moment. So when I heard those words, Jesus said, Abide in me and the truth will set you free. I confronted my husband and I, I started to use my voice and I told him we needed to get help and that this was not my problem, but I wanted us together to get help for this problem. He started to confess some things, not everything, but he started to confess minor things where I realized there's an issue here and he has an issue. I was willing to support him, but I told him he needed to go to therapy. We needed to see a psychologist. And he agreed, but again, he made me keep it a secret from our church and everyone around us. And I was okay with that because that was comfortable for me. I learned how to keep secrets. So um, long story short, we, um, we were confronted. The doctor gave him a whole battery of tests and we did find out he had a gender identity disorder. When John Baker, the founder of Celebrate Recovery, says hurt people, hurt people, that's what happens. That's what we do when we don't confront our issues. We end up acting out of that hurt place. You know, because if, even if we say the pain's not there, 
it's it's there if we say it or not if we acknowledge it or not it's there which is why we need to express it and free get freed from it and this was his stronghold that he did not want to confront and by him desperately trying to prevent me from understanding it and and realizing it he was lashing out and abusing me in the process um but at that point i was able to um overlook it i was willing to get help you know the psychologist said he'd work with us um, and my husband said he was done. You know, he, he was not willing to admit it. He did not want to work through it. He told me, let's, I, I can't be married to you. We're done. So it wasn't the answer I was looking for, but it was the freedom that I think Jesus was, was giving me, that I was freed from the lie. I was freed from the abuse, mm-hmm. and I was willing to uh, start a new life. The problem, which I didn't know was a problem at the time, was exactly a month later. I was at my church, and again, I kept this a secret from that church um, publicly. Only the Celebrate Recovery groups knew what was going on. And I was on staff at the church, so my pastor did her best to try to affirm that you know God still called her in ministry here, but the church didn't really understand because they didn't know abuse. They didn't know what was happening. They just knew marriage ended. Um, I was told maybe you shouldn't be here, and I was totally mortified again lost and in isolation and didn't know what I was to do so I went on churchstaffing.com kind of one of those okay God I know I'm not supposed to move I'm supposed to be here that What's guy doesn't know churchstaffing.com what is that it is a website for church jobs <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing no, I didn't either <laughs> it's it's where we post jobs too when we're hiring for a church position and I just I knew that's the the main one of the main sites and I was doing it out of spite like this guy just told me I don't belong here he doesn't know what he's talking about I think if I would have seen any open job in the in the vicinity I wouldn't have looked I wouldn't have known God was in it but I saw a job for a full-time children's director at Claremont First United Methodist Church but the name on the posting was Nancy Schroeds. She was my former Disney manager about 10 years ago. <laughs> and I remember looking up, literally going, oh, no, 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 God, no, no, no. This is not a sign. You are not moving me. Because I was still functioning out of denial. When my marriage ended, and it was March of 2007, and I actually had the marriage annulled, and not um, actually not that I have... I, I could have gone through a divorce. That was fine. I think it was my voice. It was my truth telling. I wanted the truth to be told, even if it was just between me, because um, he did, you know, agree to to be truthful in the papers that he had lied to me, and and it was based on fraud. And so I didn't um, ever grieve it. I never coped with the loss of the marriage. Um, I just went to the next thing, and a, mm-hmm. a month later, I saw this ad. And I called Nancy up and I said, hey, remember me? And she said, Dawn, I think we need your resume. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not looking for a job. But um, she, she took me um, aside and said, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to meet with you. I think we need to have lunch. And I came here April of 2007, met, met the pastor. And it was just one of those things um, where I told him, I said, you know, I'm really not looking for a job. And I actually told him everything about my past because I was still carrying all the shame and guilt. I still felt bruised, I felt tainted, I felt not worthy, uh, not realizing how insecure I was and just really traumatized, um, which I wasn't acknowledging. My therapist had um, diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress disorder 
but I was so numb to all of it that um, but I told him and he said you know that's fine you know we would love to have you here we ended up with him saying why don't you pray about it go through the interview process and we'll pray about it and if it's God's will it'll line up and I said that's how I function that's that's my you're talking my language so I went through it and had chills and I knew God God's given me a fresh start so what happened is I came here in April 2007 new start new friends, a new church, and I was like, wow, you know, God has really um, given me this freedom. And I dove in. I did exactly what I had learned to do. You know, I dove into children's ministry. I was the best children's director I could be. But again, just because you don't acknowledge that you have pain doesn't mean it's not there. And what the congregation here didn't know is I was, and what I didn't know, I was hiding a lot of this pain from the loss of this very traumatic past. And so on the outside, like I had learned growing up, I was happy, I was fresh start, obviously God's great, he's here. And then I would go home and I would just hide any feeling by shoving food down my throat. And this was kind of like the opposite of um, what I had done. You know, I learned to not eat and over-exercise. Now I'd started binge eating. That was my comfort, that was my coping strategy. Um, I didn't have to face being alone. I didn't have to face what just happened. I didn't have to face the loss of a dream, the abuse. I mean, I was still very numb to it all. Over time, I slowly gained about 65 pounds. But what I realized later, I avoided everyone from my past. And nobody um, from Disney, they all wondered what happened to me. I just stayed here in Claremont and I isolated myself again from everyone pretending to myself that I was happy. The next pretty pivotal moment for me was um, a few years ago, my college roommate, Meredith, was getting married. And she lived in Illinois, and she asked me to be a bridesmaid. Mm. And in the back of my mind, I kind of knew I'm going to have to face what's on the outside, because I really had avoided mirrors. And you're going to have to wear what she says you have to wear <laughs> yes and she was kind of the mirror that i needed mm. and i'll never forget you know i went and i mean i inside i just felt atrocious her and her mom just um they made me feel like a princess you know they were so loving and you know they made me feel very beautiful but there was one night we were driving and her mom looked at me i could see it in her eyes i could see my pain in her eyes and I could see the 65 pounds that I gained in her eyes. And she said, Dawn, you're going to be okay. And that was the blind spot. That was the voice. And I said, you know, I have to admit, um, I have a problem. And what I actually admitted was I had an eating disorder. I started to really reflect <coughs> on myself. And I realized, you know, I've either been very skinny or I've been very overweight. I've either not eaten for days, or I've binged, or I've worked out three hours a day, or I haven't at all. And so I ended up, when I got back to Orlando, I checked myself into a three-day outpatient intensive program. And I sat there with a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for a couple months as I heard everyone else share. And I, and I was going to seminary still to be a pastor. And I thought, what am I doing here? And I had a lot of, you know, a lot of just 
I guess, pride and a lot of shame. And finally, it hit me, you know what, I just need to suck it up and do this. And I need to to really come clean. I was faced with all of the past issues with my family, just a lot of the dysfunction that I had, um, just the, the messages. And, and at the time, it was really hard because um, as you face the pain, you have to kind of come to terms with the feelings that come with it. And I started to become very angry towards my whole family. Um, it was just part of, part of the recovery. And I learned, though, how to set boundaries. And I learned how to... Um, I learned that I needed to set boundaries, not because it means I don't love you. It means I need to keep myself healthy. And I knew, so for, there was a period of time where I didn't talk to my family because I needed to kind of re-face some of these issues and reprogram my brain and understand what healthy eating is and nutrition is and learn how to actually cope with pain and face it um, instead of just hide it and numb out from it. So I really had to have that time and space to be able to face all of the trauma from my past. And I did that when I was there. Um, at the same time, um, right when I was in the middle of that program, the First United Methodist Church, they, as a leadership body, started to pray a lot. And they were hearing God's call. You know, we have a lot of people here that are hurting, and there's a lot of people that are living in isolation. I'll tell you what one of the pivotal moments was just for the church was a, a Sunday that actually I had, I had preached a sermon on um, the strongholds in your life and what what is it in your life that's preventing you from receiving what God wants for you. You know, that the Holy Spirit wants to free you from pain and from struggles, but, you know, we're the ones that hold the key if we just allow Him to, to come into our lives and, and heal us. And I had all the congregation write down on a piece of paper, what is it that's preventing you from feeling the Holy Spirit, from feeling that love that Jesus has for you? Write it on a paper not with a name on it, but just get write it down and, and admit it and then bring it up in this box and, and just give it to God. And then I gave them all a key just as a reminder that they have the key in their hand. They have God. They have the power of Christ. And um, everyone did that. They all came forward and they did that. My senior pastor and I decided before we would destroy all these pieces of paper that we would look at them. We were very convicted. And I said, because he was actually praying, you know, a lot of our people, they're just, they're not wanting to join Bible studies. They're not wanting to get closer to God. You know, what is preventing them from, you know, wanting to grow closer to God? And we're looking at the, this Keeping box. Keeping them in the dark. You know. And I said, and I said to him, I said, when you're in the middle of trauma, when you're in the middle of abuse, people were writing down adultery, abuse, addiction, pornography. They were spilling out these deep, dark secrets over and over. We were reading hundreds of them. I said, when you're feeling stuck in this, the last thing you want to do is just, hey, let me join a Bible study. You know, you're right. stuck. And he started crying, and we started praying, and we knew. And we saw, you know, everyone comes in on a Sunday morning with that mask on, thinking that they're in isolation, that they're the only one with this issue. And we just keep it in ourselves, and what happens is we feel stuck in it. And so we started as a church praying um, about, okay, God, what do you want us to do? How can we help them experience your freedom? Mm. Somebody had heard about Celebrate Recovery from a presentation we heard down the street at, a, at another church that was talking about what they were doing. It was kind of funny because I just made a comment, oh, I've, I've actually led that program before. <laughs> and my pastor said, uh, I think you're supposed to lead it here. So with that being said, um, we had about 17, 18 people who said, yeah, we want to lead that. So we all went through the steps again. 
to lead and help other people, and God showed us all what we needed to face in our own lives. And for me, I knew I needed to come clean again with the eating disorder and also codependency. Mm. And that's when I learned that word codependency. Mm. And I thought what I was doing my whole life was what Christians are supposed to do, help, serve. But what I realized is I was avoiding my pain my issues and I was stuck um, for seven years here from the last seven years as I continued to eat and gain weight I wasn't facing my issue and my pain and it wasn't until I decided to admit need which is that first step admitting I need God that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable it's that step where I said okay I need to face this eating disorder. I need to face that I have been traumatized and um, started to work the steps again, started to recognize boundaries, like I had said earlier, um, working on my issues, my needs. Slowly, God started to just break into my life and I started to lose the weight as an outward invisible sign and I've lost all 70 pounds plus more. And so now I have realized and felt this freedom that I've never felt before. Mm. And I've realized that I was stuck because I didn't face what I needed to face. And you can't just numb out one feeling. You're going to numb them all. Right. And if you numb out pain and you numb out the struggle, because Jesus says, and we read it in John, he says, you will have grief in this world. You will have struggle. You will have pain. But to take heart, because I have overcome the world, that your grief will turn to joy. And we can't experience his joy and love by just numbing all of it, you know, because you're going to numb, if you numb the pain, you're going to numb the joy that he has for you as well. And so pretty much my, my story is, you know, I've just, I have never experienced Jesus the way I have right now. And I'm just so grateful that I'm able to, um, to just feel his freedom and his love. For the first time, I'm seeing myself as Dawn, the child he created that I don't have to be this perfect person, that I can receive His grace every time He wants to give it to me, that I am loved, um, that I have needs, and that God has, He shows me His love. And it's the real love that I was missing my whole life. So it's just amazing. Awesome. I'm glad you came because you really encouraged me. And uh, Mikey can attest to this because I've been divorced now a little over four years and I thought I pretty much had my act together and I was following God and things were great and we were happy you know like you said and then Mike asked me to co-teach a power of the praying husband with him to our single men's group um, about 10 or 12 men mm-hmm. and I agreed but I no sooner got into that book and got into the series and all of a sudden all of these things were welling up inside of me mm-hmm. and it was uh, pain just like you stated pain that I had numbed and hadn't faced and actually grew angry <clears throat> I actually grew angry and started to kind of spew venom into the group and uh, actually resented all the men that were in there mm-hmm. and I told Mike I said I'm not coming anymore he says why is that and I said I'm not going to sit and listen to Ten men sit around and and uh, gripe about their wife, you know. And then and I go, go home, home alone. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, du- but I kept going, and during the course of that, I got healing 
uh, kind of just like you did through the course of that series. And now I can actually say that, you know, I've, I've dealt with that uh, rejection and, and hurt and that mm-hmm. pain. That helped it to come out because sometimes you numb it so good, mm-hmm. you forgot that you numbed it. And then until you right. face it head on, you know. Well, it becomes comfortable. Oh, absolutely. And even our dysfunction becomes comfortable. Right. right. And we, yeah. And I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and we we're talking about happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. And they're to- totally different on the spectrum. You don't want – you want the joy. The happiness is just – it's just a thing. You know, the yeah. joy, to feel the real joy is what you really want. God promises us not happiness but joy. Mm-hmm. It was like Pastor Don said, though. You know, if you if you're numbing the pain, you know, you're also numbing the joy. Absolutely. Yeah. It will save. Well, that just hit me over the head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's just been my passion now is to give women, especially and men, of their voice. You know that we are all broken people. We are all going to have issues. We're all going to have struggles and pain. And um, but we're not meant to live in isolation. God didn't create right. us to live alone. He created us to have support and accountability partners. And the more honest we are, that's when God, again, He breaks through that darkness and shines. And He can heal us and transform us and redeem our past mm-hmm. and reconcile us to what He wants us to, to have. So um, that's the big my big platform now is giving people their the space where they feel safe to share and to face these issues and allow God to break through. It teaches you how to embrace those issues and use them as a learning curve for your destiny. Right. Mm. Yep. Because uh, along the way, somebody's coming your way, and until you have experienced those things, you can't you can't relate to those folks. No. Right. And just like you know, I had mentioned that God was taking me through this, the pain, and so on and so forth, and walking me through the, these past seven and a half years. And you were probably one of the first ones that I. And I started to realize another one came and another one came. It, I hit that point where he now he felt that I was ready to start. He started to bring men in my circle that needed the encouragement and the, and the help and the so on and so forth, the uh, comfort that I received as well uh, from him. That uh, uh, It's just amazing. It is. <laughs> you look around the room at the bunch of ragtag guys and – you have the largest group in the place now. <laughs> My husband's in that ragtag group. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I bear it's witness been doing with great that. Things. I yeah. resemble that remark. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, that's session thirty-nine. It was, and it was a good one. Pastor Don, they all are. But thank you for coming. Dawn. Thank you so much yeah. for coming. Well, I'm very we grateful. We so it was, enjoyed it. It was worth the wait. Oh, absolutely. I knew it would be. And I've heard nothing but awesome things about Celebrate Recovery there at First United Methodist. So I have thank as you well. for what you do there. Oh, people are, I mean, I'm seeing a, a testimonies right before my eyes every every Thursday night. People are just We have people that have given their testimony. I'm not going to name names, uh-huh. but people that have given their testimony here that are actually in Celebrate Recovery right now that are giving me really positive feedback. So yeah. just wanted you to know it that was just, it's changing a lot of people's lives. It was just, I was watching the road that God took you on and how he brought mm-hmm. you here and to there and, and you know and eventually into that celebrate recovery setting mm-hmm. and you found out what your destiny is your calling absolutely and God will use it now he always uses our mm-hmm. your pain our pain yep. 
to help encourage others, and that's what I hope to do. Well, God Stories Radio is all about the testimony. We have no other agenda, so we'd like to partner with you and just in prayer and and uh, absolutely, you know, we'll we'll see where God takes this because uh, I think with Celebrate Recovery, there's a lot of things that will come of that that people need to hear. Sure. So sure. I'm looking forward to the future and. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. We're all in this together. Uh, so. You better believe it. <laughs> you better believe it. Well, that wraps it up for Session 39. We're glad you spent an hour with us. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God bless. God bless. You are not-